0: Thank you for connecting to this podcast from Faith Renewed Outreach Center. We hope that it's an encouragement to you today. For more information, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. chapter 10, one verse. Let's read it. Uh, Read it with me. Do that. This says this, Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Say it one more time. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that lies in it. Lord, thank you that when we apply it, Lord, it works. And we've seen that over and over in our life, God. And we just ask today that you'll speak to our hearts today, or let this word go forth clearly, and uh, and in the name of Jesus, I pray, God, that it'll get in us, work through us, and change us and others as a result. In Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. High five, you neighbor. One more time. Say, I, love, I am so glad you're near me today. And say, I'm really glad you wore uh, deodorant. <coughs> really glad you wore deodorant. Amen, Amen. We're going to conclude today this series uh, called "I Do." Um, y'all okay if we if we get this in today? Y'all you We'll right? be okay. There may be some fans, uh, hus- uh, ushers, hospitality. Maybe some fans in that room back there. So uh, the, the old school kind. I think we got some old school ones in there. So um, y'all can, can pull those out. Those things are awesome. Um, but uh, we're going to we're going to try today to conclude this series called "I Do." Uh, I've, I've have done this over the last five weeks. Man, I've poured a lot of stuff out, and, uh, and I'm hearing great things about what you guys are doing and using and applying it. Uh, if, if you've missed any of these messages, go on our website, go on our iTunes uh, page, and download these messages and ten- continually get this word in you and all the words that we speak. And I want to challenge you to do this. It's very easy to, when something is fresh, apply it, and then, you know, after a while, kind of step away from that. These principles that we've been teaching on this subject of marriage, I want you to do this. I want you to continually... Walk this stuff out. It's how it works. It's how, it's how lives are changed. It's how your relationship gets better and your marriage is different. It's when you continue to apply the word. And we've seen this uh, historically just in the church. I mean, you know, when you take time and you teach on giving, the giving goes up for a week or so. And then sometimes it's like it kind of fails back off. And maybe you're preaching on healing. And, and then you see some this, this place where people's faith gets built to a level where they can believe and trust God's word. And then healing happens. And so it's why we continually just teach Jesus. Here, we're just constantly trying to lift Jesus up. And if we do that, he would just continually do his work in us. But these principles that I'm teaching, all the principles, so that's why I believe it's important that don't let Sunday be the only time you get the Bible in you. Okay, don't let this be the only time. Whether it comes through our teachings, the teachings of other great ministers that are out there and other other churches that are teaching God's Word, just daily get it in you and take some time for yourself to open up the book, the the app, whatever it is, and read it and study and get it in you. So um, that being said, we've been teaching on this subject of marriage. And, uh, man, have have given you a lot of material, and a lot of principles at work, and I hope you're walking those things out. And, and last week we'd done this. Last week we took a look at the first two principles in building this marriage that will last. There's four that I, that I teach, and I do this in premarital counseling sessions and counseling sessions or whatever it may be, and we take and we study each one of these principles and points, and, and we get this in us, and, and we should continually build these areas of our life. We should continually put these things in, in operation in our life because we have to do our part because God has already done his. The Bible said we just read it. It's his will that, that, that there is no separation. What he's put together no separation is what he wants. So, again, it takes some effort, energy, and application of God's word in our life to make it happen. I saw a little picture has been floating around on Facebook, and I, I, I sent this to Tim to put it up on the screen. Today, check this. I thought it was really neat. I thought it was just kind of a timely, timely word. You may have seen this, but I thought it was really cool. It says, when asked how they managed to stay together for 65 years, the woman replied, we were... Uh, so that's, we were born in a time where, that's my eyesight, y'all pray for a brother, uh, where it's something that was broken. You fix it, not throw it away. Amen. <coughs> Amen. That's what we see a lot of times. We see where something's broken. Some of y'all like, touched me right there. I see that, actually. That just touched me. Got me emotional. Y'all pray for him. <coughs> but, I mean, you, <coughs> you think about that, though, and it is pretty neat that a lot of times we do this. something breaks, Ah, oh, man, let me go get a new one. It's hard, yeah, and it's, it's, sometimes we think easier, but if you get a new one, you find out some things about that one. Let me move on. But uh, so just if something's broke, let's try to repair it. Let's fix it today, and let's apply God's Word. The first two principles I gave you last week were loving communication in the word last, building a marriage that will L-A-S-T, loving communication. Uh, we saw that the moment communication stops in the relationship is the moment the relationship dies. It's in that moment, and we see that, and you can apply that in every situation with friends, with church, with work. You can just apply that. When you stop communicating, uh, that thing begins to to fade away. So, again, stay in communication. Stay connected. Stay plugged in. Stay in relationship is huge. Uh, Letter A was this. It was agreeing spiritually. Um, It is a powerful thing, man. We've seen it. It's how we see God work in our services in church. We get together and agree with one another according to his book. We come in agreement with what his word says for salvation. We believe what it says, and we watch God work. And, And we made this statement, and I try to say it every week. Your relationship with Jesus is the most important thing in your marriage. It just is. It is the most important thing in your life. But it's the most important thing in your marriage as well. So, again, the spiritual deal is a big deal. And S and T today, we're going to take a couple of minutes and get this in you. And then probably just save maybe the best for last as we talk about S and T today. And uh, get in this uh, few, a uh, couple of principles here that uh, sometimes, I guess, these two issues that we're going to talk about today, people may get the most uncomfortable with in church. Let us do. <laughs> They get the most uncomfortable with issues we're going to talk about today, so uh, with that being said, let's jump into it. Letter S, thank you. Letter S is this is write it down, jot it down, put it somewhere. is staying responsible financially. It's a big deal. And, uh, and if I took you through these sessions, I would go in much more in-depth, but I want to get the highlights of the principles today to you, so I'm going to just kind of you jot and go back and study. But, but this, this is a big deal. Many, many articles show that this is the number one reason for divorce. It's the number one reason for fights in relationships and in marriages. Uh, It is not just a sole source. There are other issues there, but a lot of times finances will be that deciding factor that will kind of take somebody over the edge and and, and get them to a place to where they're struggling and and, and really start seeing the negative in everything when pressure gets on in this area. So again, we need to get this in us. And and God has a lot to say on this word in the area of money uh, and in the area of money management. So we need to make sure we teach it. I I pulled this article up, and it just, uh, some of the things that the Bible says about giving. 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus taught were about handling of money and possessions. One out of 10 verses, 28%, all deal directly with the subject of money. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, 500 on faith, but more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. So we could do this, we could say, man, he's being a little repetitive, ain't you, God? You just got to keep on and on and on about it. You got to keep on, yes, because he knows this about us. It's a struggle for a lot of people. He knows the the pleasure and the pain that it can bring, and so he teaches a lot about this subject. He says a lot about it. It is a very big deal in your marriage, and you need to get a grasp on what the Bible says about this subject. Apply it to your life so that you and your relationship with Jesus grows and your relationship with your spouse grows as well. So, again, he says a lot about it because he knows we have an issue with it. He knows how quick it can become God. He knows that. He sees that. He understands how quickly some people will take something that he gave to be a blessing to them and to others and take it and then begin to worship the very thing that he gave you to worship with. That's a good word. But he will, He he sees that. So he tells us, he gives example after example in the Scripture. And, and, and as a pastor, we talk about it, and we, we read the Scriptures, and we find out what it says because it's a big deal. Is it because we're trying to get more money? No, no, and that's not the goal. It's because God is very concerned about it, and so should we. He says this in the Scripture. He said Matthew 6, 21, that for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He's very concerned about your heart. He's very concerned about where it's at right now. And, and so today, I hope today that each of us in this room will take this principle today and apply this. We'll grow. Our marriage will grow. Church will grow. More people will be changed, and, and God will be glorified if we apply it. Amen? All right, I'm going to simplify today. We've done this, I believe, three or four times uh, since the church has been in existence, and we'll do it again. We've offered some in-depth training on finances. We, we've done the Financial Peace University, which is uh, passed around 13 weeks 13 weeks of in-depth teaching on finances. It's great stuff, man. Take it and, and, and use it. Buy the book and read it. Plow all those principles. Um, it, it can be a little bit sometimes difficult to understand and remember everything. So I'm one of those guys who try to bring it down to a bottom line, simplify God's Word so that we can use it and run with it. So that's what I'm going to try to do today with finances a little bit. If y'all will let me, I'm going to give you some principles on finances that I believe today will help you and help your relationship. And, it, and I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you the 10-10-80 principle. You may have heard this. It's been taught. It's great. I love it. I, I share this a lot. It's good. But again, you can take finances way deeper, more in depth with this. I'm going to throw you this because I ain't got four hours to sit down and talk to you. So the first thing is this, is in 10-10 principles is this. You take t- the first of your finances, and you do this. Give it to God. You give it to him. You give it to God. Matthew 6.33 says to do this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. God is very concerned about being first in your life. And so he wants us to do this. I know it's going to get quiet today in the subject matters that I'm going to be sharing today, but it's good. I hope you just listen. There's a reason you're quiet. But I hope that you'll see that you have to take what God has given you and put it first. This is not called the 80-10-10 principle or the 90-10 principle. Principle. This is not the ninety-nine percent principle and one percent. It's ten, ten, ten. It does this where you take what God gives you and you give it back to Him. Because here's the truth: everything that you have today, God gave to you. First Corinthians four says that that everything you have is a gift from God. So we do this according to Scripture. We give back to Him. Proverbs three nine: honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all. Your increase. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. The word first fruit is the word rashith in the Greek. And it means this. It means literally the first, best, and choice part. So I get asked sometimes, do you, do you give off the gross? you give off the net? Do you give off? It's first fruits. Don't let the government even get it first. We didn't see what they can do with our money. I ain't a political guy, but Lord Jesus, help us in that area. Amen. Amen. And so it's a big deal. So we give to him first. You know the word tithe means tenth? I'm going say, well, we've been tithing, but we haven't done a tenth yet. We're not there yet. Well, you've not been tithing yet. You've been tipping God like he was a waiter and, and was good to you that week. And all right, service was pretty well, pretty good. I'm going to give you an extra five. You know what I'm talking about? You all know that, that waiter who keeps your glass full? Y'all hook him up, man. I mean, y'all give him a, I mean, y'all take him. No, he's not the waiter. He's not there to serve you. You're there to serve him and be obedient and toward him to his word. So you take this. It means the first fruits, what comes in, first 10% goes out. Now, some people want to discuss and belabor whether or not, you know, um, you know is that law or is that, you know, before the law, whatever. Uh, Bible, according to Scripture, that was, tithing was around before there ever was a law, pre-law. Post-law, I believe it's this. I believe it's a foundation. I don't believe it's the goal. I believe it's a starting point. Some people say, man, when I get to 10, I'm going to sit back. I believe it's a starting point. I believe it's foundational. I believe if you understand God's grace, it's the least you can do. Uh, I believe it's part of our reasonable service that, that the Bible talks about when we follow Jesus. So it's a big deal. If you're not doing it, you're being in, you're walking in disobedience and rebellion to God Obey God in His Word. Listen to your pastor. I tell you nothing but truth. Sometimes, most of the time. All right. And in this subject, I definitely am. All right. Take it. Give to Him. First ten. Second ten is this safe. Now I'm gonna be honest. It's th- this one is harder for me than the first one. It just is because I mean, I, I, sometimes we can get to a place and it's not a pat on the back. But it's easier for me to give to God than it is to put ten in my account. It just is. Because I just trust God and I believe his word. So I want to give to him before anything else. That's the first check. That's not what we want to write, you know, second or third or down the line. I want to give it to him first. And so, but I believe we should do this. And again, the Bible doesn't tell you take 10% and put it in the bank account. It doesn't. But I believe the principles are very clear that we should save. I, Pastor Harry said it, you know, we take and he blesses us and gives to us so that our needs are met and that we can do this, have a little more to spare and have a little more to share. I, I, that's, that's his word, man. That good. And so we take that and we take that 10% and we just begin to put it back. We begin to put back percentages for when we need it because the Bible says a lot about this. Proverbs 27, 12. A sensible man watches for problems ahead and prepares to meet them. A simpleton never looks and suffers the consequences. Think about it for a second. Man, is that not cool? I mean, this is a, this is a big thing that we take this and we put some back. Now, listen, it's, I see this. Some people don't have a problem putting it back or putting it on something for themselves, but they have a problem for giving God his first. And listen, there's an order. We've said it often throughout this thing. Anytime things are out of order, there's chaos. We put it in an area where we put him first, and then we begin to put things back. A couple of wrong motives for when it comes to the area of savings, I want to hit because it just should be hit. I need to deal with this. A couple of wrong motives when it comes to saving money is this, that you measure your success or your self-worth by your bank account. Don't do that. Don't get caught up in that trap. Don't get put into this, this world system that if I have this amount here, then I have this prestige, and then somebody can look at me because of what I have or, I have, or, or you know, are able to possess or wear or drive or whatever. Don't let that be what determines your self-worth. Know who you are in Jesus Know who you are in him. If if you have that, all these other things won't matter near as much. So don't let that be the driving force behind what you have. Also, a wrong motive for, uh, for saving is this. That is the feeling of security in your life. I know people that, that have done this where that is, that is their security. They, they, if they think if they have this certain amount of money, they got a, a certain amount of mason jars buried in, in the uh, yard, and, and no matter what happens and whoever becomes president and whatever goes down and whatever takes place, I'm going to go dig up my mason jar. I'm going to pull it out. And I'm going to go use this thing. Listen to me. Don't let that be the, the source of your strength. Let Jesus be the source of your strength. Third thing is this, and the Bible talks a lot about it. It's the love of money. Don't let that be the source of of your strength. Don't let that be where, man, I just love my, don't do that, man. Love Jesus. If you're in a relationship with with a spouse, love them, and then let that be on down the line. But this is what happens when we do it. When we apply God's word in this area, he gives. He gives back to us. And Psalm 62, 10 says, if riches increase, don't set your heart on them. Don't set your heart in that area. Let there be more to it. And the rest of the principle is this. We take the other 80 and we live off of that. We live off of the other means. We, We take what God gives us and then we begin to do this with that 80. We make good decisions. Okay, hear me. We make good decisions with that. Uh, we learn to manage that money. It's called stewardship. God is—he's the owner, but He gives to us, and we're to steward what He gives us. We take that, and then we begin to spend that well. I've been called tight. I've been called cheap. I call it Bible. I call it a good steward. I call it a good steward of what God's given me. Proverbs 22, 7 says, The borrower becomes the lender's slave. Hear that? The bar becomes a lender slave. I mean, so you you have to to this place where you understand that, that when you the rituals are of the poor and the bar is servant to the lender. You have to understand that you don't need to be owned by anyone in this area. So you make good decisions. I, I'm gonna help you and I'll jot this down, I'd highlight it, I'd ask her, I'd pinch your finger, get a little blood flowing, and underline this in blood. Make sure you say, I'm gonna help somebody today. You need to learn to say no. Not just good. Good stuff. You need to. You got to stop. You stop the impulse of spending. You 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 don't go. And it's very easy. It's why I do this with young couples. It's why I sit down in premarital sessions and I, and I tell them. I look them in the eye. Okay, you ain't been you ain't married yet. Your mom and dad has been married twenty five years. They're gonna have stuff you don't have yet. So don't try to get everything they got. Wait twenty five years then go get it. All right. I mean, just wait. Hang in there. Make good decisions. I got some some love from the older people. Thank y'all. Y'all young folks, man, y'all hate a brother right now. Amen. But it's just good. Say no. People say, and 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 again, they'll say, well, I don't have the money to give to God. I usually have the same answer to every person. Come in my office, bring your bank statement, sit down with me, and I'll help you find it. I mean, I I just want to help you find, and again, it goes back to, uh, you know, we've heard today and and during offering time, you know, some people we spend all this money on eating out, we spend money on, there's sometimes if you would say no, I just thank y'all, thank y'all for backing me up. (laughs) So just take it and use it wisely. Understand that, first of all, everything's his. I get caught, I mean, even making decisions in the church with finances and and like, no, this is God's money. Everything is His. And we want to use it well. We want to use it to be the most effective for the kingdom. So, again, take those principles, apply them. It's a big deal. Another big deal when it comes to finances is this that if you're married, make financial decisions together. Okay, make these financial decisions together. You're one. I've said this since the very first uh, uh, scripture we read in this series, two have become one. I I know there's people in this room, a lot of them that I love, and they do their finances this way, and I ain't mad at you, but I'm just telling you what I feel like according to the Bible, what will help you. I believe everything that I have is my wife's. (laughs) Just the ladies went, whoo. Everything that she has. Is mine. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so it's ours. It's two becoming one if you're married. And so you do this. You make these decisions together. Now, some people budget this way. I'm going to take my money, and I'm going to pay for this part of the bill. I'm going to pay for that part of the bill. And then you take your money, and you pay for it. If that's how you sit down and budget, I ain't mad at you. Put it together because it's both your money. Some of y'all are like, we do that. You know, I, I'm not mad at you. I mean, I just think it'll help you. So, again, put it together. Sit down together. You may find out some stuff about the money if y'all sit down together and talk about it. So, again, and know where it goes, and you make those decisions together. Uh, we don't do this separately, and you never go out and make a big financial decision by yourself. Just don't do it. Just do, don't do it. Don't say, well, you know, I love you, and so I'm doing this for you, honey. I'm buying you this big 67-and-a-half-inch television because I want you to watch your favorite movie on this thing. But I got it Monday through Saturday, and you can borrow it on Sunday. No, I mean, do this. Make these decisions together. So, again, you, you, you do the things what God says. Bottom line it, surrender your finances to God. Prepare a budget. Live within your means. If you owe somebody, you pay them. You give it to them. You put it there. And then in this marriage relationship together, you don't make any of these decisions apart. You do it together. It's huge. Put God first. Priority is a big deal. If it's out of order, it's chaos. That's the letter S. Glory to Jesus. I'm doing good. Amen. Last but certainly not least today um, that we want to discuss and talk about, we've discussed building this marriage that will last. We have loving communication. Agreeing spiritually. S, today's message is staying responsible financially. And in the marriage relationship, these principles have to be applied, and they should be applied regularly. And it's the letter T, and it is taking sex seriously. Just a little awkward moment for everybody there. No, that's okay. Get it out. Get it out. Uh, I love Andrew said she said, I'm not coming today. I'm not coming today. Yeah, you are. See, the Lord blessed you today because you came and surrendered. So, again, this is a big deal. It's a big deal. You should take sex very seriously. Some of the guys said, I do. Very seriously. You know, so but no, we, we, we should. This is a big deal. So why would I do this? Why would I get in here and teach on stuff like finances and get everybody uncomfortable because it's in the Bible? And God has a plan for it. Why would I get in here and get everybody uncomfortable and start talking about sex in church? Because the Bible talks about it. And he has a plan for it. He has a big purpose for it. The Bible is very clear on this area. And, and the potential there is so huge to bring blessing and the potential is there so big to bring cursing that he talks about this, and the Scripture is clear in these areas. And just the honest truth, I teach it because a lot of people are struggling with it. It's an issue, and, and, and it's tough, and it's doing this. It's destroying and killing marriages. It's destroying and, and killing this, this land that we live in today. It's the lust of this world, or one of the biggest issues today that's got America in the situation it is. And, and then you have somebody stand up and speak what the Bible says about what marriage should be, and he gets blasted by the liberal media. Let me tell you something. The Bible is very clear on this subject. He has a great plan for passion and sexual relationship in your marriage marriage. it's clear it's big it's a big deal he has a lot to say about it and i say these things in my office sitting across my desk and i stand on the stage and say it today because it's a big deal first few things i want you to get real quick out of this is that sex is not a sin it's not a sin It, it, it is not a sin matter of fact it's his plan it is and every time it's within the parameters that God set, it is a blessing. every time it is set within the parameters that God has, the boundaries that he's placed there to protect us and and, and give us blessing and, and increase in all areas of our life, it is a big deal he's not the enemy of this subject he's not he I don't, I don't think he took him off by surprise you know Adam. Dust of the earth, breathed in him. Took the rib out, made Eve. And then, oh, dude, what was that, What happened? What? What was that? I don't think it. Ha- I. I just. I don't. I don't know. I just. I wasn't there. I wasn't there. I, I don't believe. I believe intricately he designed the man and designed the woman so they would come together in union. Remember, two's becoming one. It's a big deal between a husband a wife I mean he he married them first again we talked about that marriage being the first union in the Bible and he put them together and he and he did this and uh, the first series of scriptures man Genesis 2 25 I've been waiting to get to it it says and they were both naked the man and his wife and were not ashamed Glory to God in the highest. Amen. Husband and wife. Here's what's said. The believer, the Christian, the husband and wife should not be ashamed. Amen. But we're living in a world where those are the most ashamed people when it comes to this area and those who should be ashamed are not. Amen. And to those who shouldn't be ashamed are we to speak up and say that God has a great plan in this area for marriage and we should not be ashamed of it. They weren't and we shouldn't be either. Amen. Amen. But see, it should be unique to the marriage bed. It's unique to the marriage bed. So it means this. There's a ring. There's a ceremony. You get together. You get counsel. You come together, and you become husband and wife. And man, unashamed. 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 (laughs) It's just just good. Unashamed. Unashamed. It is unique to the marriage bed, and in this, like every other area, we remember this, the covenant and the contract principle. If you don't want your sexual relationship with your spouse to be blessed, you remember this principle. Remember, a covenant is this: A covenant is where I'm doing this. I'm surrendering my rights, and I'm assuming responsibilities. And, and, and if you will do this in the marriage relationship, you surrender your rights, assume responsibilities, both needs get met. If you've got a husband going around seeing how they can satisfy and meet their wife's needs, whatever it may be, again, it's why you communicate often and figure out what those are. You are meeting those needs. You have a wife running around doing this, meeting her husband's needs. Both needs get met. Amen, amen, amen. Sex is not also, in a marriage, it is not a bargaining chip. Okay? Uh, it's, it's, it's very easy It gets used for this sometimes. It wasn't the plan. never was. Uh, you know, if we... We, we kind of somehow, I don't know how, taken this and, and we've used it again for something other than what God created. It's not a bargaining chip. Uh, it was never used and should not ever be used as a means to get at your spouse. Right. It'll cause division. It's a big deal, and the Bible talks a lot about this. I love Scripture, and, and I want to read this in the Message Bible, and I want you to listen close. 1 Corinthians 7, verses 1 through 5, it says this. It says, Now getting down to the questions you asked in your letter to me. First, it is a good thing to have sexual relations. See, I know the Bible said that. Glory to Jesus. Certainly, but only within a certain context. Hmm. It is good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Sexual desires are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. Could. Gracious. Wow. The marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. The husband seeking to satisfy his wife, the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve others, whether in bed or out. And abstaining from sex is permissible for a period of time if you both agree to it, and if it's for the purpose of prayer and fasting, but only for such times. Then come back together again. Satan has an ingenious way of tempting us when we least expect it. So there better be a doggone good reason. There better be a doggone good reason why y'all ain't enjoying sexual fulfillment in your marriage. You see, I'm trying to choose my words carefully today. like. In this area, I do want to say this. In this area, like all other areas, men and women are different. You, for the most part, we kind of see. Found a great picture that kind of describes this. Uh, if, if Tim put it up, uh, it just kind of just settles it. Okay. Let us pray. Let's get. All right, you can go back. But, but usually speaking, that's not always the situation. Sometimes that's reversed, but whatever it is, again, find out the need of your spouse. Meet the need. Amen, in love and do that. But I did find this interesting. I found a poll. I thought it was very interesting. The poll said this. It says, um, "A poll taken from a woman to list the priorities in their life, sex was number 13." Number twelve was gardening, so (laughs) fellas, you fall right underneath gardening. Ah, Lord Jesus, hoping I don't know who they asked. Man, that one must have been one of those. I don't know what magazine that was, but um, this was also interesting. Uh, Women are most sexually attracted to their husband when they're doing housework. I'm just again. I'm just the researcher. I'm just trying to give this stuff out to you guys. So again, I'm just trying to say. But, no, it, it is a big deal. It goes back to, again, we're serving one another. It's not, it's, it becomes, again, this covenant relationship that we're in to assume the responsibilities of meeting the needs of our spouse. It is a big deal. Again, this, like all areas, we must stay within the boundaries of that. Okay? And, um, just again, just time will allow me to go all that needs to be done. But, again, he sets them up for a reason. If, if, you're, if you're not married and, and you're getting busy, Stop you're married and you're not getting busy, start. That's funny, but it's true. I mean, I don't mean that. I'm not even trying to get a laugh. I wasn't, I promise. I'm just, I would feel like there's anointing of God releasing forth through me right there. But I'm just telling you, so stop. It, it, it's not. But here's what's cool, and I love it. I love it. Sometimes we do this. Sometimes we allow the enemy to beat us down in those areas where we failed. Listen to me. There, there's probably been nobody in this room it's gotten all the principles right that I've taught during this series. And I believe each of us in this room have missed each of these principles up probably at some point or another. And this, like all areas, we come before God with a repentant heart. And we ask for his grace. It's what it means. It's his grace. So if we've made decisions to get outside the boundaries, we do this. We say, God, forgive me. I come before you with a repentant heart. And I love Jesus. Love him. He says what he'll do. He forgives you. We see it in the scriptures. He he says, man, it's forgiven. I don't condemn you, but stop. Stop the direction you're going. And I think somewhere around there, he probably says, start, you know, if you are married. You know, I mean, it's another story. But just take that and begin to do this today. Apply the principles that God has. He's telling you, for your life, he has a will. He has a plan. He has a purpose. It's good. It's good. If you're doing this in any way, if if you're stepping outside of God's plan for sexual relationship, if you have stepped out of that plan, repent. When I sit down with couples, I go into things like pornography, and we deal with things about bringing anything inside the marriage bed should not be there. It's some husband and a wife. If you're not married, those principles still apply. Guys, ladies, don't go down that road. Don't get sucked in by the tricks of the enemy and say, It's okay, I can watch whatever, I can see whatever, listen to whatever. It's a big deal. God has a plan for your life. And this, like everything else, you need to do this. You need to communicate with one another. You need to talk about these areas, you discuss these areas, and get a big plan because I love what happened last night. Last night, I got to say the opening prayer for a 50-year anniversary party. Hey, man, is that not cool? 50 years. I mean, it was so great <coughs> to see that. <clears throat> Mom and Daddy, they don't get to hang out with us much. I love them. They come and worship with us. Was it three years ago now when we did the 50-year anniversary Uh, For you guys, all my family got together, went up to Gatlinburg, and I stood before my mom and dad. So thankful for the example they've set. I stood before them, and I got to do this. I got to renew the vows of my mom and dad on their 50-year anniversary. Amen. Amen. This is what I want for you guys. I want one day for your kids to be able to say thank you. Thank you. Now, what, what, what if we've already screwed it up? Listen, come before God. He's gracious. He's loving. He'll give you the strength. We've equipped you. We've put the principles in you now to start this thing out and this thing God wants to last.